Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. This episode is proudly brought to you by Derm Health Co. Events. At the beginning of 2020, we had four live face-to-face events planned in Melbourne. Goodie bags ready to go, speakers lined up, balloons ready and caterers on call. And then we had to cancel them all. But we decided to then pivot. And I know you've probably heard that word a lot in the last six months but we decided to launch our very first virtual event it went so incredibly well that over the next 12 months we have seven coming up each one is on a completely different topic with completely different expert speakers and you hear from stories of those with lived experience every six weeks we are doing a virtual event crazy right it's half day of learning um, but the bonus is that they're all recorded and then put up on a portal on our website so if you're not able to join live whether you're at work whether you have family duties whether you are in a completely different time zone don't worry you can access these presentations whenever you wish wherever you wish just by signing up so head to the website uh, have a look at some of the past events that we've had so these include the foundations of skin health gut health and the skin and psoriasis and eczema and the events that we have coming up we've planned them all the way to june 2021 sign up so you don't miss out and This is just another way that we can support you on your skin health journey, bring you more evidence-based information, share stories of those with lived experience so that you don't feel so isolated on your skin health journey and continue to grow the community. We are so proud of this and we would love for you to join in all the fun and all the learning. Hello, I'm Marnie, your host. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. And today I'm speaking with Caitlin Alsop to commemorate Sepsis Awareness Month. You see, Caitlin is a sepsis survivor. Two years ago, a skin rash was the only symptom she had to a tooth infection she wasn't aware of. It nearly took her life, causing Ludwig's angina and severe sepsis, and she was in a coma for nine days. It was in this hospital bed that she had the realization she had been given a second chance at life. And Caitlin wears her scars from that near-death experience proudly so that others feel okay about theirs too. And she is determined to raise awareness about sepsis. Many people don't know what sepsis is. And if you don't really know what it is and how it's caused, you're not the only one. Many people don't know what they can do about it. Some people think that you can only get sepsis from being in the hospital. 
but the majority of people who get sepsis develop the initial infection outside of the hospital. In fact, sepsis can develop from any infection, even a cut or a skin infection, and it is a silent killer. In Australia, the people that get sepsis, up to half of those people die each year. It's more than 5,000 people. It can strike anyone at any age and it kills more people than prostate cancer, breast cancer and AIDS combined. So today, as well as Caitlin sharing her incredible story, she's going to be talking about some of the signs um, that show up for sepsis and providing a little bit more information about Sepsis Awareness Month as well. I started by asking Caitlin what she thought was the biggest misconception about sepsis. Especially when it comes to sepsis, everybody can get sepsis, no matter how healthy or how good in shape you are or where you live. So a lot of people are, obviously with Ludwig's angina, the first thing about it is it's related to a tooth. So people would think that, you know, you haven't been brushing your teeth, poor oral hygiene or anything like that. But in my case, it was actually just incredibly rare that a wisdom tooth in the back of my jaw that I knew nothing about and gave me no symptoms except for a face rash had actually caused Ludwig's angina. So the swelling and then severe sepsis, which is what nearly took my life. Well, so tell us more about your story. Where did this rash begin? Absolutely. So for a couple of months, I just kept being a bit under the weather, but I was young. So I just kept working. I kept getting this random face rash, which just kept coming and going, would randomly pop up and it would burn. I'd been to about six different doctors and they were trying to work out what was wrong with me basically. But that was the start of it all. I didn't know that this was a symptom of something much more sinister. So after going to a naturopath as well and changing my diet, I was at a healthy dinner with a friend and just felt like I'd bitten my tongue. Now we were young, we didn't really think anything of it. So I went home and I was by myself and my tongue swelled up on one side and I actually thought I was having a stroke at this stage. But what happened was my tongue swelling up on one side, apart from thinking it was a stroke, I thought that possibly it could be like anaphylaxis, you know, some sort of allergic reaction. And so I didn't really realize it was this severe, but I ended up at Rabina Hospital, so my local hospital. And just like anyone would think as well, they thought it was anaphylaxis. So I had swollen tongue, couldn't really breathe properly. Like I could breathe, but it was a little bit harder, I guess. And so they gave me two shots of adrenaline and a steroid, which would normally be the right treatment for anaphylaxis. And most of the times you would think it was anaphylaxis. However, in my case, I deteriorated rapidly. So my breathing became really shallow. My blood pressure dropped, heart rate went up. And I had a mottled rash that went all over my body. And that was when they made the right choice. And they did an emergency ambulance transfer to a larger hospital where I live. And it was there that they put me in a coma and saved my life. So when I arrived, I was a mystery because what you would think would be the normal treatment wasn't working. And so it was a team of about 60 to 100 doctors all up who worked to save my life. They put me in a coma. And this is when my skin burnt from the inside out and we weren't sure why this was happening. I mean, it was symptoms of sepsis, but we didn't know why. And that was when someone made the assumption that could have been Ludwig's angina, which is a tooth infection. And so they did a CT scan after doing many other tests. And this was when it was revealed that my wisdom tooth had a slight infection and was impacted. And that was where they put me on heavy antibiotics and worked really hard to to save my life while I was in that coma 
And that's basically the medical side of my story. And for me, uh, waking up, I just decided that what I wanted to do was make sure that this happening to me would prevent it happening to someone else and other people would feel okay about their scars. And so I decided to share my story. And amazingly, it was just picked up and went out all over the world and raise awareness for sepsis. What an incredible story. So <laughs> I'd like to backtrack a little bit before you were having dinner with a friend and then you went home and then mm-hmm. was rushed to the hospital. So you had a rush that was developing for how long? Was it was it? a couple of months on and off. So it would just come and go. Mm. And so you were going to different doctors, being pro- provided to different topical creams, ointments, mm-hmm. assuming that it might be some kind of dermatitis or something. Yeah, there were lots of different assumptions on what it could be and definitely was given the topical cream. But it was also this burning that would like burn from the inside out. And they they thought it could be, like you said, dermatitis, rosacea. There are a few different things, but what would normally work wasn't working. And of course, I just kept covering it up with makeup, going to work and then trying to not use products or seeing if it was an allergic reaction to products. It was really a bit of a mystery. Wow. And Ludwig's angina is typically seen on the top, the roof of the mouth, correct? Not necessarily on the, on the face and on other areas of the body? That's right. So Ludwig's angina is an infection in the mouth uh, because we have so much bacteria in our mouth anyway. And for me, it, it was quite a rare infection. It was from the wisdom tooth, which had absolutely no symptoms apart from, in hindsight, this face rash which kept coming and going there was no pain nothing that would have hinted to it wow and in some of the questions that we provided to you mentioned what the meaning of ludwig angina means strangled alive so is this because this is literally what it feels like yes so when i found out it was ludwig's angina that i had i remember searching it and seeing that it meant strangled alive and that's What it is, is the infection just swells your mouth up so much and your neck to the point with, for me, you you may have seen pictures, I have scars on my neck. And for me, that's where they inserted these drains to basically drain a bit of the infection, but also provide space because my jugular vein started to be crushed. And that's one of the biggest concerns is the airway is blocked and then my jugular vein was being crushed and crushed that too much, it's wiped out. So, yeah. Wow. So thank you to that amazing medical team to be able to diagnose you correctly and get you the treatment that you needed before, you know, it was too late. How long were you in an induced coma for? Nine days. And what was that like waking up from an induced coma? Did you feel like that it was just over in a flash? Did you have a concept of how long you'd been out for? It's really interesting because I've spoken to the most incredible people in, you know, coma survivors group. And it seems to be that your hearing is the last thing to go. So while you're in your coma, you can hear different things going back and forth, but also your brain needs to find a reason for why you're paralyzed. And so it can actually be quite a, a sort of scary ongoing nightmare, I guess. So when I woke up, I was just very disoriented. I've got to remember I had two and a half litres of one of the strongest sedatives. So it was almost like being a child again, the first one or two days of coming around to it. And then I chose to see it in a really positive way where I was just incredibly grateful to be alive. And those tiny things that don't seem important, like, you know, being able to listen to people when you uh, they first get you up and walking, which is incredibly terrifying at the start, actually. 
exactly. Yeah, just incredibly grateful, like such an energy and so, so grateful to be alive and be here and, and work on helping other people. Mm, wow, that's amazing. And I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about how your life has changed since your diagnosis and since your coma. I did say induced coma. I'm sorry, I'm not sure. Was it induced or? As far as I understand, yes, it was yes. an induced coma and that was to protect the airway. And you mentioned that one of the last things to go was sound. So what was your last memory of before you went into your coma? That's a really good question because with such a strong drug, I had sort of shaped it into a story during my coma of what had happened, almost like a, a narrative, which had bits that were influenced by what was going on in real life, but also almost like a, a dramatic movie going on. But for me, the last thing I remember was being in the ambulance and being told we've got you and to remain calm because it's quite scary feeling when they're trying to save your life by putting a mask of oxygen over your face before they had to you know intervene with the intubation but you can't breathe though you almost want to push it away but you know that they're trying to help you so I just remember them being very calm very kind caring medical team sort of giving way to the fact that I was in the right hands and these people were going to help me Mm, wow. And just that gratitude of being alive and feeling alive when you woke up, what was kind of the recovery journey like? It was just like being a child again. Like, you know, I couldn't eat like yogurt, even burnt because my tongue was so ulcerated. It went black and then I actually nearly amputated that. So that was one of the strangest things. I had a bit of a lisp and trying to talk your sleep cycle is very much out because of the impact of the drugs, the drugs that help you forget everything though. And so, yeah, it was just, I remember being with my parents and it was a very strange sensation of being like a child again and then sort of coming to and understanding what had happened. And yeah, just very low energy and coming back to, I guess, normal life, normality, adjusting to my scars because they were open wounds for quite a while. And then just focusing on how I could use my story to help people and become someone who um, was able to help people using that. Amazing. Before we move on and talk a little bit about the things that you're doing with sepsis awareness, I'd just like to cover a little bit more on sepsis for those that maybe know, don't know what it is. And also just highlight that those that get Ludwig's angina don't necessarily then develop sepsis. But what is sepsis? It's deemed to be a silent killer. So can you explain a little bit more about it from your experience and perspective? Absolutely. So sepsis arises when the body's response to an infection injures its own tissues and organs. So it can lead to shock, multi-organ failure and death, especially if it's not recognized early and treated promptly. So it's basically the final pathway to death for most infectious diseases worldwide. And it's an inflammatory response from your body. So what it means is that something that could be as simple as the flu, unfortunately COVID-19, or even a cut to your finger can cause this response. So your body tries to save itself by sending out too many white blood cells to counteract this infection and actually sends your body into a, a multi-organ failure. So you get all sorts of different symptoms, which can seem similar to the flu, which then very quickly escalate and uh, it's a medical emergency. So one of the symptoms that you experienced was your tongue enlarging and this rash all over your body. Did you experience any of the other common symptoms of sepsis? When I've spoken to other people who've, who've experienced sepsis and, and looked at the general symptoms, there's blurred speech or confusion, 
shivering or muscle pain, passing no urine, severe breathlessness, and it feels like they're going to die. So it's a lot of pain and panic. And then the skin mottled or discoloured. For me, because the infection was caused from the wisdom tooth, that had already sort of started the process of needing to preserve the airways. So apart from the flu-like symptoms I'd had a couple of days before that were ongoing, that again, I didn't really take much notice of. You know, your typical, I don't feel very well. By the time mine escalated to severe sepsis, it was because of that wisdom tooth. So the skin would have been the biggest indicator. And of course, the medical team able to assess my heart rate, breathing, blood pressure and fever. I had an ongoing fever, but it was quite a low grade fever. And so for me, the symptoms weren't as obvious to the public, but I was already getting that emergency medical treatment because my body had had the inflammatory response to something that was already impacting my airways, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) So in regards to your recovery, you've spoken about obviously those immediate types of effects when you first came home and then it's changed the course of your life as well. But what have some of the long-term health effects been since your experience? So I'm very lucky uh, compared to a lot of uh, sepsis survivors who often face all sorts of things like amputation and just ongoing medical issues. For me, there's been a bit of brain fog. You may realise sometimes I go back and forth in, in sentences. I do get tired a lot more easily and I'm much more susceptible to an infection. So a couple of months ago, someone had a, a common cold, which then turned into one of the worst cases of uh, tonsillitis and having to have like, you know, a week or so off work, which I hate to do, but you know, it just docks my body around a lot more than an infection would in a normal person. So yeah, it all comes back to that that post-sepsis syndrome and, and ongoing because my body has been through such a big dramatic event basically. And as well as some of those really negative impacts that I'm sorry to hear that they are still impacting you. That's okay. <laughs> um, I know we, we spoke before this interview that you've got this new gain sense of um, love for life <laughs> and you have this bigger than life personality as well. Aww. And I'd really like to hear about some of the experiences that you've had since your story has kind of gone out to the world. You've been featured all over in just about every news publication in multiple countries. Um, you've travelled and you jumped out of a helicopter plane. Yes. <laughs> plane or helicopter? Jumped out of a plane. plane. So when I came to, so when I was able to go home from the hospital, all I wanted to do was uh, get to the beach, take a photo with my scars and, and I realised that you know, if there was one thing I could do, it was show other people that their scars were okay. And then I was blown away when months later, the, the story just went everywhere. And it allowed me to connect with the most incredible people. I've um, connected closely with Jessica, who represents the World Sepsis Day for the UK ambassador, being part of a, a video that's going around. And to skydive was a goal that I set myself that when I got out of the hospital, and as soon as I was allowed to following the scars healing, that if this didn't kill me, you know, life is there to be lived. So I thought, what's the scariest thing that you can do? And so I set the goal to jump out of a plane and raise awareness for sepsis. That was 12,000 feet. (laughs) And it was just a massive moment where it's like, how lucky are we to be alive? You know, life is incredible. The team at Gold Coast Skydive were amazing. And 
yeah, coming out of a coma, it's just, I looked at it as my second chance at life. And I was really grateful for, for that second opportunity to really embrace life for what it is and use my story as sharing it was like a light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel, because by sharing my story, I would go through what I went through a million times again, if it just meant that I was able to help other people, make them feel okay and you know, hopefully prevent it happening to other people as well. Mm, that's so amazing. <laughs> You've met some amazing people. You're now involved with World Sepsis Day. You've connected mm-hmm. up with the ambassador and you're sharing the story. Tell us about World Sepsis Day. So World Sepsis Day is on the 13th of September and it's bringing awareness to sepsis because so many people don't know what it is. And it's just a global day to recognise what sepsis is to create the awareness, to talk about the symptoms and and the effects that it has on people's lives and just really an opportunity for people to educate, get themselves involved in events. We've got a video going around organised by the amazing Jess just showing you how sepsis has touched people's lives and unfortunately destroyed a lot of lives as well. So it's just an opportunity to recognise that it is one of the biggest killers in the world and it really could be knowing the symptoms of sepsis could be the difference between knowing how to save someone's life and becoming another number. Mm, Yeah, so important. How can people get involved or raise awareness themselves? So most importantly, just search sepsis. So World Sepsis Day has an incredible website. They work really hard to educate. There's videos on there. I will be personally sharing the video talking about the symptoms of sepsis. The symptoms are S-E-P-S-I-S and just really following and learning the symptoms and learning how you can save a life. So There's social media channels to follow, getting involved in an event. So pink is the colour, which is fantastic. And even if it's a virtual event, just spending even a couple of minutes of that day learning how that's impacts lives and and how you could potentially save a life. Mm, Yeah, and a really important initiative. From your experience, Caitlin, what would you like to see change in the future when it comes to prevention, diagnosis, treatment, or just general advocacy and I guess knowledge about sepsis as well I've already started to see some amazing things so um recently had to go to to a local hospital and and saw that you know ask about sepsis was straight up there as a poster and so it's really awareness because the mortality rate increases I think eight percent every hour it goes undiagnosed so just by people knowing what sepsis is is going to change you know if you can recognise those symptoms, you can act in time. The survival rate increases so much and that's really all it's about. And I started promoting sepsis and sepsis awareness because I didn't actually know what it was until I was told by my medical team that that's what I had. And then most people I was speaking to didn't know what it was either. But yet knowing what to look out for was what made the difference. And luckily for me, the treating hospital did recognise that it was sepsis and treat me for sepsis. But unfortunately, especially in less developed countries all over the world, it's it's not recognised. And it's just knowing it and knowing that the medical treatment to intervene is what's going to make that difference. Yeah, so important, especially in those developing countries. And also, I think 
as a young adult, who would have ever thought that you would develop sepsis so young? Well, I think it's one of those diseases that we might attribute to someone that has many chronic kinds of other conditions or chronic wounds, and then they develop sepsis as opposed to an otherwise very healthy young female. Absolutely. And it happens in children all the time, which is really sad. Something that seems like it could just be a general cold or a general cut and they'll be okay suddenly turns into a very life-threatening situation. And just recognising that it can happen to anyone and just keeping it in the back of your mind is what is going to make the difference and potentially save, you know, millions of lives. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Caitlin. It's certainly been really inspirational and just so incredible to see how you've used it as something that has empowered you for your way forward in your life. Where can people find more about you and and what you're doing? I am mainly on Instagram, so at Coma to Confidence and just sharing that journey from coma to confidence and, and all the stumbles along the way. I love that. Well, thank you so much for spending your uh, evening with us. It's been a pleasure to have you. You're most welcome. Thank you so much for your time. What an incredible interview. And just to hear Caitlin's story that is both horrific but has completely changed the course of her life. The three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me. Number one, know the symptoms that can indicate sepsis. So sepsis, if we break it down, is S for slurred speech or confusion, E for extreme shivering or muscle pain and fever, P for passing no urine all day, S for severe breathlessness, I, it feels like you're going to die, S skin mottled or discolored. So if you need to write these out, put them on the fridge. Um, As we discussed with Caitlin, sepsis is very common in children, so it's really important for parents to also be aware of some of these signs as well. Number two, Caitlin is a, a story that shows you can hear this passion and absolute excitement for life Um, and while I'm sure she's always had this bigger than life personality she certainly explained that this near-death experience has catapulted her life in a completely different direction and we've heard this similar type of story time and time again Uh, and I just it's really incredible how the human spirit even after something that is so traumatic can actually view these things in a positive way and really positively affect someone's life for the better uh, long-term as well. Number three, advocacy. So while you may not have experienced sepsis, um, absolutely advocate for it, read more about it. Um, The link about Sepsis Awareness Month is in the show notes as well. But I also want to ask you, what experience have you had 
whether it be a skin condition or something unrelated to a skin condition that has really affected you, you feel passionate about and something that you can advocate for, something that you can help educate people about um, and raise awareness. And maybe just spend a couple of minutes about some experiences that you've had in your life and ways that you can share this experience or help raise awareness about um, this specific issue as well. I'd love to hear what those are. So either share them with us on social media by tagging us at dermhealth.co or sending us an email and talking about your story as well. I would absolutely love to hear it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. Um, We'll be back again next week for another episode. Until then, be skin powered.